Welcome to Live Podcast. My name is Wendy Myers. I am a health and nutrition coach and broadcasting live from Los Angeles, California. Today I'm interviewing Dr. Jim Kelman about integrative medicine and chiropractic care and what exactly integrative medicine is. So please go out and check my to 110.com. I started LiveTo110.com to educate nutrition, the importance of detoxing from heavy metals and industrial chemicals that are the major underlying cause of disease, and how to treat your health conditions naturally without medication. My goal with LiveTo110.com is to help you prevent disease and live a long, healthy life, hopefully to 110. I don't know about you, but that's my goal. But before we get started, I have to do a little disclaimer. Please keep in mind that this show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition because that would be illegal. Live to 110 Radio is solely informational in nature. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatment I suggest on this show. So if you like the show and you want to learn a little bit more about health and nutrition, I'm teaching a class at the Brentwood Library here in Los Angeles on Saturday, June June 8th at 2 p.m. I'll be teaching a class on the Live to 110 diet that will cover modern paleo nutrition principles. And best of all, it's absolutely free, so come on down and get healthy with me. Well, hello, Dr. Kelberman. How are you doing? Great. Good afternoon, Wendy. How are you? I am really good. Oh. Glad to well, Dr. Kelber, be part of the show. Uh, thank you so much, and thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. So, Dr. Kelberman, you are the owner and founder of the Westside Wellness Center in West Los Angeles, California, and your site is drkelberman.com. The Westside Wellness Center is a holistic center for education, non-surgical treatment, and preventive health programs. And you're a chiropractor and are board certified in integrative medicine with an emphasis on the triad of health, the physical, chemical, and mental aspects of health. And you specialize in the drugless management of metabolic disorders like diabetes and neuropathy. Now, I've heard a lot about integrative medicine from um, Dr. Andrew Weil and Dr. Mark Hyman. You know, they're two very vocal advocates of integrative medicine that are attempting to introduce it to the mainstream. And can you tell the listeners uh, what exactly is integrative medicine? Well, integrative medicine is combining everything under the medicine umbrella, and and that does not mean drugs. Um, Any substance that's used in the treatment of disease or illness uh, can be considered a medicine. So... For everybody out there, that could include herbs, homeopathic preparations, amino acids, et cetera. Okay. So what we try to do is to fit the treatment to what the patient needs rather than select only what might be available in the drug world, Um, for example, uh, you have a headache, so you took an ibuprofen. And, and can you tell me how you got into integrative medicine and becoming a chiropractor? 
Uh-oh. Oh, we have a call dropped here. It's awesome. <laughs> we'll wait one second for our guest to come back. Fortunately, this happens when you're dealing with cell phones and whatnot, and we're live on the air. Um, but today, we're going to be talking uh, about integrative medicine and, you know, and why it's so popular today and why it's so important to, you know, find a practitioner, whether they're medical or a chiropractor or another kind of healthcare practitioner, and, you know, integrate them into your, you know, your your team of practitioners. Um, these are doctors and other healthcare practitioners that are using drugless medicine, using, um, you know, Eastern and Western medical philosophies, using herbs and supplements um, to to treat patients rather than just first out, you know, right out of the gate going for a, a medical or a, using a medicine to treat um, an illness. Because it's very much, um, you know, like Western medicine, they are treat me- treat people symptomatically. They symptomatically treat people like if you have a headache, then you take an aspirin. Or you have pain, the doctor gives you pain medicine. But that doesn't address the, the root cause of the problem. So the goal with integrative medicine is that you're attempting to um, attempting to treat uh, treat illnesses, um, the, the cause of illness, rather than just the symptom, which you know just doesn't work for most people. Uh, Dr. Feldman, are you there? I'm back. Can you hear me now? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I was okay, just telling listeners a little bit about integrative medicine, and I was just wondering, how did you get into integrative medicine? Um. Well, first I'm going to take you just on a short ride on why I became a chiropractor because uh, that will tie into a belief system that I have. Um, when I was 12, I was riding my bike and got hit by a, a car. And um, uh, at, at, at that point, no one was able to help me. And I was suffering for a while, like many of your viewers may have been suffering, were a variety of different conditions, not necessarily a trauma like that. Um, and... Somebody in the family said, hey, you know, you should go see a chiropractor. And my mom was pretty open, so she did. And within three, four months, I was a new kid. And that always stuck with me. And so, uh, like many of us, we have things that we think we want to do with our lives. And so I was busy doing those, uh, which included teaching, et cetera. And later in life, I think I was about 27, I finally decided that it was time for me to uh, embark on that career. And um, in those days, all of my colleagues, you know, were of similar mind. We already knew the value and the efficacy of chiropractic care. Um, Today, uh, students may elect that as a profession because they think it's a good profession or for other reasons, uh, back then, uh, you, you had to have been helped typically by one. Um, one thing led to another through my career, and I was always drawn to a system called applied kinesiology, um, which started in the early 60s with Dr. George Goodhart. And basically, that was the first alternative care and integrative care Um, because he began to bring chiropractic into the realm of uh, integrative medicine, which meant that they not just looked at the spine, but they also looked at how nutrition was a component to the health 
of the area that they were trying to work on. And so uh, I joined that organization uh, some 25 or 30 years ago, and it has evolved because many doctors have uh, kindly uh, spent years of their life uh, researching and uh, giving, you know, their information to all of the field doctors. And so today that field has exploded into uh, where we are now. And I'd like to add the word functional medicine to integrative medicine because that's, that's really what we do. When our body breaks down for one reason or another, there's a reason for it. Um, if I'm having allergies, there's a reason for it. Uh, if I'm tired, there's a reason for it. So I'm being very simplistic at the moment, and we can get more complex as we go. But basically, uh, if you address the, the the root issue, as you know, if you deal with the functional component, then the symptom, which is what everybody wants to go away or to change, you know, is greatly affected. And we see that every day in, in our practices, and I'm sure that you do in, in your coaching as well. Yeah, and it just seems uh, to make so much more sense to address the root cause than just treating a symptom and then leaving the root cause there to continue to cause symptoms. For example, let's just talk about diabetes for a second. Um, we have an epidemic of diabetes type 2 in America. Uh, it doesn't surprise me, given the amount of stress we're under, the amount of horrible foods that were offered um, routinely, and uh, the amount of environmental toxicities that we, we have as well. So I think moving forward, into the next century, you know, our biggest issue is going to be toxicity from from all sources. Yeah, um, yeah that's been my my message I'm trying to get across to people is you just can't be healthy unless you get rid of toxicity, heavy metal and chemical. Completely agree with you. Yeah. These things are way too impactful, you know, on on our uh on our systems and um it really does affect uh, at a very deep level, and, and one of the things that many of your viewers may not be thinking about currently is that we're still being affected by the Fukushima uh, radiation that occasionally drifts our way. Um, it is not over. Uh, it has affected the whole world, and um, we are a compilation of all of these exposures um, you know, our environment, you know, uh, it is always uh, adding on to. For what I mean by that is every time there's a volcanic eruption, there's, you know, arsenic and this and that toxicity released. Every time, you know, there's a radiation leak, there's that released, and these things um, become compounded. And um, I, I want to relate it to a person who's had multiple head injuries because um, it's so uh, uh, appropriate. Um, if I have one head injury, I could have X amount of healing time. If I have two head injuries, it changes the healing time. By the time I'm into my third or fourth, it's exponential. It's not uh, uh, the same amount times two or times three. It goes into an exponential function. So every time we get exposed to more and more and more, uh, we get hit harder and harder and harder. And so... 
we have to be wary of and, you know, be always working on how we can uh, combat that, how we can, you know, lower our intake and, you know, what precautions do we need to take uh, uh, on a, a daily, weekly, monthly basis. So, yeah, yeah I've been really concerned about the Fukushima nuclear reactor meltdown because, you know, those fish, uh, you know, if any fish are spawned over there and they swim over here, which happens, you know, in the currents, that, you know, they are finding fish that have, you know, radioactive levels, and that does absolutely affect our health and our thyroid. Absolutely. Immensely. Immensely. As are other things. It really affects how we hydrate as well. It mm. seems to be the element. Um, because radioactivity affects minerals, um, we have trouble keeping ourselves hydrated so our cellular activity and and all of that stuff that's supposed to happen between our uh, cell membranes is affected as a whole and so you think you're drinking enough water and you're thinking you're getting enough of all your nutrients but it's being blocked Um, and it's very hard to diagnose as well we don't really have um, a, a test that you could run that would say, oh, yes, you've had X amount of rads of exposure and uh, it's cumulative and now it's in your liver or this or that. We really don't. And that's one of the reasons why um, none of the governments want to tell you how much exposure you had or that you're constantly having it because they really don't know how to test for it. Um, so better out of out of mind. Yeah. And I think the last thing someone's going to be looking at when they have vague symptoms, the doctor's not looking for it, and the only way I know how to protect myself is if I go to sushi, I don't order Japanese fish. <laughs> I don't know what else to do. <laughs> or any tuna anymore, really, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. yeah. Boy, it's such a large fish. It travels around the world. It really, that's a tough one. Just limit, you know, we need to limit the things that are bad instead of eating them all the time. Yeah, I'm kind of the point where I I do salmon, wild salmon, and really small fish like sardines or um, anchovies, and that's it. You know, because unless occasionally I treat myself to sushi, but I feel horribly guilty about all the mercury I'm ingesting. <laughs> you know, I so rarely hear that people are eating sardines. It's, it's one of my favorite recommendations because it's a, such a well-rounded food. Yeah. Um, it has all the little bones from minerals. It has good iron source. For, for most of the women, and uh, just but unfortunately, you know our American taste buds don't usually uh, adapt very well. However, I usually say, hey, they've got salsa flavor and mustard flavor and chili flavored. So, you know, sometimes we try to, uh, you know, at least give those options. Yeah, yeah, I love sardines. I love the Wild Planet ones. You can get them at Whole Foods. Those are they taste just like tuna to me. They taste really, really good. So let's go back to to integrative medicine. Um, I'm very curious about it because I've actually only heard doctors talk about it, like Dr. Angewell and Dr. Hyman. So I guess I always thought it was an extension of integrative medicine because it's called medicine, you know, in the word. And so do you need a medical degree to practice integrative medicine? Basically, there are two groups in America. In one of the groups, you must be an MD. Okay, that's the American Board of Holistic Medicine. Um, in the other, the American Association of Integrative Medicine, you you have to be a licensed practitioner. So you need to be a uh, osteopath, chiropractor, psychologist, dentist, 
some other licensing uh, uh, psychiatrists and so forth um, to participate, uh, acupuncturists as well. So okay. there are two different camps. Um, the, the, the American Association of Integrative Medicine, I'm sure, was founded because uh, they were excluded from the medical association. Um, and so that group is, is dedicating to um, maintaining that we have uh, the options available to us. Uh, rather than just uh, drug-based uh, orientation. Mm-hmm. And so how, how does one, one become board-certified in integrative medicine? Um, within that organization, there is a, a process, like any other organization, of testing and um, hours of education and... Um, you know, after 30 years uh, in the field, um, it was a little bit easier for me uh, to do that because I've had so much training and somebody just coming right out of school. But there, there is a a, um, a curriculum, if you will, that's uh, required, and you must pass that curriculum to get board certification. Okay. And so, um, so you really have to have a, a pretty extensive amount of training to be board certified in integrative medicine. Yes. Okay. And I just think it's wonderful that you can visit a, an alternative healthcare practitioner and get the same diagnostic test as a medical doctor, without having to worry about if you're going to be prescribed a needless toxic medication. Because I, I'm hearing more and more about alternative healthcare practitioners like acupuncturists and chiropractors utilizing diagnostic tests just like conventional medical doctors so they can provide a more complete, well-rounded level of care. And, you know, these tests are for adrenal fatigue or thyroid function tests, for instance. And, you know, a patient could always be referred out to a medical doctor if their condition is more serious or outside an alternative healthcare practitioner's scope of practice. And, uh, like, what what do you think about this? Is uh, is that something that you're doing in your practice? Or are you using diagnostic tests? completely agree with you on that, and I want to take it one step farther. Um, in my office, we also offer a special urine analysis uh, that my um, colleague, Dr. Jim Blumenthal, uh, spent years developing. Uh, unfortunately, Jim passed away in, in December, and so I'm trying to carry on his amazing work. Um, this 24-hour urine analysis, um, unlike blood, let's talk about this for a second. What, what do we see when we look at blood? In my opinion, when we look at blood, we get a snapshot of what's going on in the blood. Now, for those Star Trek fans out there, the prime directive for blood is to be completely normal because it feeds other body parts all day long. So, for example, if you're missing calcium in your blood, it might steal it from your bones. Uh, if you're missing protein because you haven't been eating any protein at all because you're on uh, a very restrictive diet, it might steal that protein from your muscles. Mm-hmm. So you get the idea of what, what the blood is supposed to do. It's supposed to feed all the body, not just one spot. So its directive is to, uh, at all, <laughs> all risks, you know, be as close to normal as possible. Now, 
Does it tell us if you're calcium, magnesium, amino acid deficient? Only if it's pathological, really. I mean, if it's a nutritional issue, it probably won't show anything at all. And how often do any of your uh, uh, listeners have a symptom, go to the doctor, they get a blood test, and they say you're completely normal? Yeah, I've had that happen with yeah. I've had that happen with so many of my clients say, and I've even had it myself. I went to a naturopathic doctor thinking I was doing a step up from a regular conventional doctor, and they just did blood tests to test all my vitamin and mineral levels. But, of course, all my minerals are normal because your blood has to keep everything at a certain level. And so many of my clients have had the same thing. But when they get a hair mineral analysis, they're devastatingly low in a lot of nutrients. I mean, it's not a chronic health condition that they have, but their health is has suffering a lot because of very low sure. deficient mineral sure. levels. So this is another test, and I'm going to make an analogy here. If you took your car to the mechanic, <clears throat> he put a sensor in the tailpipe, he turned the car on, he said, okay, this, this, and this are not right. Your spark plugs aren't working, your mixture's too rich, and so forth and so on. So by looking at what's coming out of the car, he knew what was going on inside. So this NeuroHealth Path Map is a 24-hour urine test whereby you look at the analytes of the body, which are coming out. And by looking at what's coming out, we know what's going on inside to a more accurate degree. I think that, you know, in the next 20 years, 50 years, we are going to get so accurate at trying to read what's going on in the cells as opposed to the blood that's going to help us tremendously with all of our patients that uh, we weren't able to help before. So by looking at the urine, we can really look at energy production, detoxification, antioxidants, amino acids, neurotransmitters, hormones through steroid uh, uh, production, um, and these types of things. And we, we took it one step further because what we found was the average person had at least 15 vitamin, mineral, amino acid cofactor deficiencies, so we started compounding it into one formula. How easy is that? I mean, it's, it's your amazing. personal multi. So think about that from a compliance point of view because, I mean, uh, you know, even you and I, if we had to take 15, 20 things a day, we'd get tired of that after a while um, unless we were extremely sick. And, uh, uh, you know, let's face it, us humans, we like things to be a little simpler. So we did that. So I'm on board with anything that gives information about uh, functional medicine or, or uh, things that will help the body function at a cellular level. Okay. Um, it's the same way with my specialty of applied kinesiology. Um, by combining uh, chiropractic kinesiology, acupuncture, nutrition, I have a much better idea of what's going on in the body. And it's not unusual for me to say to a patient, uh, you haven't been sleeping well, have you? Or you had alcohol last night, didn't you? or you're eating too much sugar, aren't you? Because I can see what's going on functionally in the body in the pathways that are becoming affected by their diet or stress levels. So it's really my life's work. Um, I've been doing this for 30 years. Um, in, in the old days, I would have been called 
a mixer. Uh, and what that means is uh, chiropractic was extremely narrow in its uh, approach uh, 60 years ago, but it has expanded greatly uh, in the last 30 years or so. Um, so for everybody out there listening, if all you think chiropractors do is manipulate your spine, that's traditional chiropractic, and that's great. And when you need that, it's an amazing treatment. But some people, A, don't like it, don't tolerate it, don't understand it, don't want it. There are alternative things available, including non-manipulative mobilization, instrument work, um, muscle therapies. And um, I'd like to, if we could, spread out into the concept of specialization, because believe it or not, chiropractors are specialized also. Oh, wow. For example, for example um, you get hurt playing baseball. You've never been to a chiropractor before. What do you want to do? You want to find somebody who can handle sport injuries, don't you? Not all chiropractors can do that. Um, you are having problems with your jaw and skull. What does that mean? Well, you might have some jaw pain, headaches, or what we call a TMJ syndrome. Which chiropractor should you go to for that? Well, you better go to somebody who's trained in cranial, secular, temporal, mandibular joint work. So it's probably as important to interview the chiropractor you want to see as it was the MD or, or anybody else in your healthcare team. And I truly believe that you should have a team if you want to live to be 100 years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe that too. You know, the days of the country the country doctor are, are pretty well gone unless you're in rural America. Um, these days, if you want to live to 100, you need a, an MD internist or family doctor. You need a dentist, okay? You should have a chiropractor. You, you might need um, a health coach or a personal trainer or a gym or uh, a psychologist. You know, depending on who you are and what your needs are, you might need different people, might need an acupuncturist, et cetera. You might need these different people as part of your team. Um, there's no one doctor anymore that can do it all. The, the, the knowledge that we now have is so huge and it's growing so fast, there's no way that any of us can totally keep up with it all. Yeah, I know. There's, there's no doubt that modern medicine, as it's now practice, needs improvement because um, it's it just been abducted by the pharmaceutical companies. You know, when you go, to, you go to your doctor, the only thing you're offered is medication or surgery, and there's just so many more options other than that. And some of the criticisms level against it are, are you know, by many within the medical establishment itself. And there are also going to be no doubt that a few of the natural medicines and healing methods now used by practitioners uh, of alternative medicine will prove or are proven to be totally safe and effective. You know, what are your thoughts on this topic? Well, having worked in an integrative practice, meaning I, I worked alongside MDs, DCs, DOs, PTs, etc., um, I can tell you that in the medical world, because medicine is their venue, from a legal point of view, if they don't prescribe medication, they're just as liable as if they don't. Yeah, I know that sounds confusing, but let's just take cholesterol for a second. You walk into a, a medical doctor, and if you've got high cholesterol and they don't medicate you, 
<clears throat> they're basically, you know, committing malpractice. So that's a very odd box to have to be in. Yeah. And it's so sad. I understand, and I, uh, I understand what's going on in their world. They're they're toughing it out. It's going to change, I hope. Um, yeah. <clears throat> in in how that relates overall. Um, uh, I'd like to talk about some of the drugs that are unfortunately still being dispensed that actually cause nerve damage. Mm. Um, yeah, because their specialty yeah. is peripheral neuropathy. Yeah. Um, and I got this information. I didn't make this stuff up, by the way. I got this from the Neurology Associations of America. Um, you know, I work with neurologists on these cases, and they send me people because they know of my specialty, and I actually help them. Um, drugs don't really help. Well, they don't cure neuropathy, and in a sense you could say there is no cure for neuropathy, but managing neuropathy, just like managing diabetes, is extremely important, and um, they've come to know. I have a list of over 50 drugs that cause neuropathy, and I'm happy to share that with any of your well, listeners as well. Let's tell the listeners what. Let's tell the listeners what is neuropathy. Is it it's nerve damage that causes severe pain or tingling in your extremities? Just so that we're clear on that. Yeah, it's a general term for for nerve damage, if you will. Um, yeah, my father had. That. And of course, the doctor yeah, had no explanation as to why it was happening. Neuropathy. You see where I'm going with that? So, yeah. um, if you get to be a little more specific, like peripheral neuropathy, then we're talking about usually feet, but sometimes hands. Um, okay. And peripheral neuropathy is damage to the smaller nerve beds and sometimes smaller uh, or vascular or capillaries as well um, to the extremities. Um, as we get older, okay, it's not usually found in people under 50 years old, for example. And in my opinion, it's part of a neurodegenerative process, um, except in diabetes, because there's a different mechanism there. So when, in fact, let's just talk about statin drugs for a second. Um it's very popular. Every third commercial is a drug commercial, so no wonder why we're pretty much in, in that medical uh, drug world. Uh, but um, what does a statin drug do? Statin drug um, lowers your cholesterol, blocks your body's ability to utilize and uptake cholesterol. Um, well, nerves have a fatty sheath on them, at least large fiber nerves do anyway. And this fatty sheath is called a myelin sheath. And if you start taking drugs that block your body's ability to use fat, it can destroy the outer fat linings of your nerves and actually cause this neuropathy, if you will. And I don't wish this on even my worst enemy because the pain is excruciating. The nerves just misfire completely. Um, it's, some people report it as if they're being stuck with a, a, a pick. Uh, other people have um, spasms. Some people feel like they have bugs crawling all over their skin. Um, some people lose muscle strength completely and can't walk. I mean, this this can be a rather serious condition, and there's a lot of it going on out there, and all the medical world has to offer is Neurontin um, and pain medication. Mm -hmm. um, pain medication blocks your brain from, from feeling it, but... The degenerative process still goes on and on and on. 
Yeah, and my so, father my father had that. He had his doctor had no explanation as to why it was happening and of course he had diabetes, so I thought it was due to that, but he took statins for ten years. Yeah. And well statin drugs cause early diabetes type two. Yeah, mm hmm. I've read that okay. too. Um, it's all about the liver, and uh, the statins affect the liver, and that's where a lot of your uh, issues become uh, predominant. Um, so um, diabetes mechanism is a little different than the fat mechanism we just talked about. Um, we believe now that when you are diabetic, that the size of the red blood cells actually enlarge and that they cannot get to the very ends of the capillary bed, that they're blocked. Um, oh. And so so it's a, uh, a vascular, more of a vascular neuropathy, if you will, from diabetes. Um, and we use a system called uh, Tesla, or NeuroCare, <clears throat> which is an electrical modality that actually opens up the vascular beds and, and, and enables the blood cells to get all the way down to the tips um, for for a really uh, great response. I mean, I'll I'll take a diabetic neuropathy case, you know, hands down over some of the other more difficult ones um, because we have uh, technology that that is outstanding in that department. Um, and I think that I just started specializing in peripheral neuropathy um, because I started seeing my clients, my patients, getting older and starting to develop these. Um, you know, when I was in practice for, you know, five years, I rarely ever saw anything that even remotely looked like it, nor was I even trained to, to ferret it out, even if it did walk in the door. Um, and now after 30 years, I can see a neuropathy patient, you know, a mile away. Um, yeah. And, and since I wanted to help my patients, I started using some of the modalities that I had earlier, which was you know, mostly laser and uh, uh, monochromatic photonic uh, uh, treatments and got some results with those. But, um, you know, it sort of pushed me into wanting to learn more about that as we all do, and so I studied with some of the neurologists around the country and the chiropractic neurologists. Yeah, that, we talked earlier about specialization. There are chiropractic neurologists, just like there are chiropractic orthopedists, <clears throat> chiropractic physiologists, and so forth. So there are a lot of different subspecialties uh, within the field. Um, did I go too far adrift on that one? No, not at all. I mean, I know your clinic specializes in, in treating diabetics and peripheral neuropathy. Um, I was wondering, how do you, how do you treat diabetics? Like, so are you obviously are you trying to avoid insulin, or in what ways do you treat these diabetics? Well, like you, I'm sure we have to teach our patients that certain foods are the devil. Let's face it. Um, I like to use um, glucose testing at home with all of my patients so they can know what foods they eat will be bad for them. Okay, when their sugar spikes 
after, you know, having bread or spikes after having coffee, for example, then they know that certain foods are not going to be in their best interest if they want to keep their blood sugar lower, you know, uh, or at a good level, at a normal level. Um, in addition to that counseling, um, there are some very successful uh, nutrients available um, that helps us in that world. Um, and we treat the periphery uh, neurologically and with the Tesla unit with great success. And sometimes in tough cases, we basically just put them on home therapy uh, where they can do their own therapy and maintain themselves uh, rather than always having to come into the office for care. So, so what kind um, of home therapy are they doing? Well, there are several units now available for home therapy. The Tesla unit is available, um, as is the Rebuilder unit. They're, these are electrical modalities that help nerves uh, and vascular flow, and they're specialized as well. Um, oh, okay. A TENS unit doesn't do it. A typical muscle stim doesn't do it. These are specific uh, equipment designed for that purpose with special frequencies. And, um, for example, the Tesla unit is a high-voltage unit as opposed to a low-voltage, high-amperage unit that the rest of the uh, electric stim world uses. Um, let's say you went into your therapist or your chiropractor and they did electric stim on you. Uh, that electric stim is uh, typically a lower volt but higher amperage. You might go anywhere up to maybe 40 milliamps uh, of current. Um, the Tesla unit uses um, maximum of maybe 6 milliamps of current, but it uses up to 400 volts, um, which is a very interesting um, side segue here because when they tested the human body, they were outstand, outraged and, and, and surprised to hear that at any one point, if you actually measured all of the voltage that was going on in the human body, it would add up to a million volts. Wow. I'm going to let that one sink in because I, I, I didn't believe it. But a volt here and a volt there, so this part and that part, and it all adds up. Think about all the electrical communication that's going on in your brain at any given point, okay? Yeah. Uh, we also have that, uh, the hydroelectricity. We have, we have to drink water to generate hydroelectricity in our body, too. If we don't drink enough, we don't generate enough energy through that hydroelectric, you know, generation in our cells. I agree with you. And I also stress fluids, you know. Um, soup is fluid. <laughs> mm -hmm. Food, fluid. There are many ways to get fluid in you, you know. Bread doesn't count, of course. Uh, so, uh, for those who have, I, I love when I see people carrying bottles with them all over the place. I, I, I have mixed feelings about that. Um, I grew up at a time when you could get good, clean water out of the tap. And uh, unfortunately, in Los Angeles, that's not the case. No, I won't even um, rinse my mouth out after I brush my teeth with that water. <laughs> no way. Um, so that's kind of where some of the latest uh, specialties are. Um, I'm also a specialist in frozen shoulders, um, and I'm certified in uh, the Neil Asher technique. And, you know, over the years, I just keep learning and learning and learning um, because I have more and more patients 
who come in with a variety of things that uh, need help with. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a phenomenal technique as well. Um, and only uh, osteopaths, chiropractors, et cetera, are, are using that particular technique that I'm aware of. Um, but uh, would be happy to talk with anybody else who, who is. So you do sports rehabilitation as well? Yeah, I've been in that field for about 17 years. Um, it's a complete different take than traditional chiropractic. It's it's more akin to physical therapy. Um, it, it basically plays into, you know, chiropractic kinesiology, the study of the muscles of the body, the movement of the body. Um, and uh, we are an integrative, we talk about integrative medicine, we are an integrated creature, okay? Um, our feet, for example, support and propel the rest of the body and if you've got a foot problem and don't know it and you've got some kind of knee, hip, lower back, shoulder, even a neck problem, if you don't address the foot problem every time you walk around, you're not mechanically efficient. So we call that the gait mechanism or the walking mechanism. And it's another thing that I never thought that I would be doing when I first entered chiropractic care because, you know, I thought the world all evolved around the spine 40 years ago. Um, But I started looking at foot function many years ago and um, started finding that in many, 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 many patients, there's a problem there. So if anybody comes into my office for an evaluation, I check them as a whole. I check their walking mechanism. I find out what's wrong with this structure. We try to get as much information on as many different levels as possible to make as big a change as quickly as possible. Um, And I know that's probably uh, an area that you would not have expected, but as a result, I've, I've done foot orthotics and foot exercises and foot rehabilitation and plantar fasciitis laser treatments and all kinds of things geared at strengthening and normalizing foot balance uh, and, you know, basic locomotion. I know. That's what I love about that you're an integrative medical practitioner because, I mean, you're just dabbling in all kinds of stuff. You're doing laser therapy and lumbar-prone disc compression and the sports injury rehabilitation and kinesiology and chiropractor. I mean, you're just testing. You're doing all kinds of stuff. And it just be very wise for uh, a patient to come to a practitioner like yourself to just get a holistic level of care. And can you explain some of the other kinds of healing techniques that you're using? Like what is the laser therapy? Um, in my office, I use what we call a class four laser. Um It basically boils down to hot or cold. Um, We have new technology that enabled us to do hot lasers safely. And what I mean by that is when you say hot to somebody about a laser, they immediately think of 007 being cut to pieces by a laser or or that we can now do surgery with lasers. But that's at the higher end of hot. 
Um, for many years, all we had was cold. Uh, I think I've been doing laser therapy for about 20 years. My voice get, might get faint for just a second. Hang on. Okay. <clears throat> um, and as technology advances, so does laser. What I love about laser is its penetration capability. Um, when we look at things that you usually have done to you at a physical therapist or a chiropractor or any other manual therapist's office, what do you get? Hot pack, cold pack, electric stim, ultrasound. Those are, those are the staples of the industry for years and years and years. None of those penetrate very far. I, I'd be shocked if you got more than a quarter of an inch penetration at most out of any of those. Hmm. With a class four laser, I can penetrate four inches. Oh. Without applying pressure. And is there any pain involved in that? None whatsoever. And almost no heat whatsoever. Many people think, oh, you get laser treatment, it's going to be hot. Nope, it doesn't have to be hot because it's pulsed. It has many different qualities. It, it accelerates tissue repair. Um, it's an anti-inflammatory analgesic type thing. It can increase vascular flow. Um, and I use it a lot for nerves as well. <clears throat> In fact, the years and to this day, I still love it for a sciatic nerve because um, I can penetrate all the way down where the nerve is without putting any pressure on that nerve whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, I can go into shoulder joints, knee joints, etc. And for somebody who comes in with plantar fasciitis of the foot, I can get all the way down into that heel where the attachment uh, of the fascia is without any pressure at all. Because if, if anybody out, out there in your listener land has had plantar fasciitis, you know how painful that can be and how miserable yeah. it can be walking. Yeah, I've had problems like my mother has a problem with sciatica and I have other friends that they go into a physical therapist's office and, you know, they can't touch them because they're in so much pain. So they really can't get any treatment because they're, the person's not able to do any kind of manipulation or touch them. And so the laser right. sounds just perfect for that. Right. I, I have a whole protocol for plantar fasciitis. It's, it's rare that I don't help somebody now. Um, yeah, I love, love. I don't know why, but I do love working with feet, I guess, because nobody else is doing it. Mm. Um, well, I have a patient I'm going to send to you because <laughs> she can't get help <laughs> anywhere. But she's got a toe that's stuck in position, and she just it's excruciating, and she just can't – no one can help her. Well, I'd be happy to uh, do a proper eval and see if we could. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to send her in to you for sure. She's a wreck. <laughs> she needs you really, really bad. Right. Um, I I'll also give you that list of drugs that cause neuropathy for any of your listeners that want to get a copy of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll put that on the website. I'll put that in the transcript so that people can uh, they they can look and see if their drug is uh, potentially can cause that problem for them. That's great. And I also see here that you do uh, lumbar disc compression. What is that? Well, <clears throat> basically it falls under the category of traction. Um, in the old days, it was a static traction, and these days, decompression means that you very gently are allowing the vertebrae to open uh, without resisting the effort, and by doing so, you help the disc 
plumps, if you will, imbibe fluid or take the pressure off the nerves, typically in the lower spine. Uh, we do this in the neck as well, but it's different there. Um, it can be done prone or supine, um, and um, many patients uh, get amazing relief from that process. Um, and we also are believers in inversion therapy, which is hanging upside down to do a similar uh, treatment whereby you open the discs and nerves if, if they're capable of, of handling that procedure. Mm-hmm. What kind of uh, person would be a candidate for the lumbar prone disc decompression? Well, these are people who have lower back pain or leg pain, um, sometimes just buttock pain, but, but typically uh, lower back and buttock or leg pain. And these are people who either have degenerative discs or herniated discs or uh, genetically thin discs um, um, as a whole. And, you know, they could be young people as well. Um, these could be the late effects of injuries earlier in life. Um, I do treat a, a fair amount of injury cases, um, and somehow I I feel an affinity to it because that's how I became a chiropractic patient myself, and so my heart is always out for those people. Um, let's say you were 20 years old, you had an auto accident, you hurt your back, but you got care. And in about three or four months, you felt like your old self again, and you went about your business. And you didn't keep up any type of chiropractic care, physical therapy, et cetera. Um, over a period of years, basically, you, you trigger early degeneration that would not have otherwise been there were it not for the trauma that you received. Um, so years later and it varies in everybody, um, it, it, that's if you're going to have a, a late effect of an injury. Not everybody does. Um, you will start to have um, degenerating discs, thinning discs. These things are typically referred to later as arthritic involvement. Um, it's all part of the degenerative process. Um, and, and it all started from you know, an injury years before. And you never know when that's going to happen. Yeah, I know a lot of people they don't realize. Like from my own experience, I had um, you know a couple little injuries from working out, and I ignored them. And then I finally got physical therapy. But even though now I'm not in pain anymore, I still have to continue to go to train my body to stay in the correct alignment because it wants to go back to the old holding pattern. And right. it's kind of similar where you, you, you have to retrain your body even though you're not in pain anymore so that it's uh, aligned right. correctly. Gait and posture are extremely important. Um, uh, many people think that posture is only important when you stand. Uh, well, we sit. Most of us sit during our job. Of course, I'm fortunate I stand quite a bit. Um, most people sit for hours and hours and hours and never think about, sitting posture, um, how they're working at their desks, how far away their monitor is, um, what they're doing with their shoulders, elbows, you know, et cetera. Um, and I always tell my patients, 
if I give you a set of exercises to do, it's because you probably will always need them. So don't stop once you're feeling better. Incorporate that into uh, a routine that you do for you no matter where you go, whether it's to the gym or to your Pilates or yoga or whatever mode of exercise that you partake in, and it's all great. You've got to keep your body moving. Life is motion, so you've got to stay in motion as best you can. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we typically have uh, our specific uh, posture that, you know, when things go wrong, we fall back into and I am no exception to that. And uh, you just um, made me sit up straighter in my chair. <laughs> I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I got to sit up straight. Yep. Um, most of us, another thing for all you out there in listener land, if you wear lenses or even if you don't, um, you should take a, a page that has maybe uh, a 12-point a and see where your focal distance is on that page. And wherever that is, when you're sitting straight up, that's where your monitor should be, okay? Not two feet out in front of you where you have to stretch your head forward and wreck your neck and shoulders all day long. So that simple little test uh, would probably make all of your optometrists and opticians very happy to know that you're at least looking at a proper setup for, your, for good reading. Um, because the glasses aren't going to work as effectively if you're at the wrong distance or the, or the lenses or your surgery or whatever, you know, is going on optically. Um, uh, and that just kind of gives us an idea of how many other specialties in our health we need. And I just realized that, you know, we, we may need an optometrist or an ophthalmologist as part of our team as well mm-hmm. as we get older. So, um, you know, a team works better than any one individual. Um, and I'm a big fan of that. Um, so uh, that's that's basically how I got involved with integrative medicine. Um, no, I, I love that your practice is completely drug-free. And, you know, kind of back to diabetes, I just had a question. So how how many... I mean, are you able to treat uh, diabetes without insulin? Because whenever, you know, people go to the doctor and are diagnosed with prediabetes or diabetes, they're automatically given, you know, the insulin pill or insulin shot. And I'm just curious, are people able to address diabetes without insulin? Two two things there. You said you're amazed that I'm drug-free. Well, I'm a chiropractor licensed in the state of California. We have to be drug-free. Yeah, well... (laughs) But I'm saying, but you're curing people without drugs. drugs, okay? You're curing people without drugs, though. You're treating them. What's that? But you're treating people without drugs. Like, you don't have to have drugs to treat illness. Right, right. So, first of all, I I don't treat diabetes type 1. Um, that That's truly an insulin-dependent situation. Yeah. Um, I do treat type 2. And it's all about compliance with type 2. Um, if, of course, some of the type 2s were misdiagnosed, they're really type 1s, we're not going to talk about those. Um, the true type 2s, if the patient is willing to deal with the lifestyle changes, uh, I've never had a case that needed drugs. Mm. Um, 
herbs, nutrients that are specific to help the body uh, transport the sugar out of the blood into the into the muscles helps. By the way, so does exercise. We were just talking about exercise. Exercise helps the sugar come out of your blood and get into the muscles and tissues. So exercise is just as important in, in, in the management of type 2 as proper nutrition and supplementation. Yeah. yeah that's amazing to me that it's you absolutely don't have to become insulin dependent because what happens, and I saw it happen with my father, is he's taking you know, an insulin shot right before every meal and insulin is the hormone that tells your body to store fat and prevent it from being used as fuel. And he just got fatter and fatter and fatter. He was 360 pounds right before he died because um, just because of this insulin. It's like the more insulin he took, the fatter he got, the more insulin he needed. It just was this vicious cycle. Right. And I, I also lost my grandfather that way as well. Um, but that was before I knew any better and before anybody knew any better. Um, uh, it it really boils down to functional medicine again. If, if, you, if you really get down to why the body is not doing what it's supposed to and you help it do it, it, it typically works unless there's some catastrophic event uh, that's blocking it. Um, you know, some major... Uh, disease process, autoimmune disease process, et cetera, and, and even those, if they're handled correctly, can respond. So, yeah, I'm I'm confident with type 2. However, my, the biggest issue is, is compliance, and many people just are not willing to give up sugar. Yeah, it's hard. Let's call it what it is, you know. They want to continue drinking alcohol, which is equivalent to sugar. Um, yeah. They want... They want to drink alcohol, they want to eat their sweets, they want to eat bread, they want to eat all the things that, that are bad for them. Um, and so for those people, drugs is necessary. Yeah, they have to they do have, insulin. You know, yeah. They're not going to make the change that is, is required. I mean, I've got some people who, who go vegan. I've got people who are on grain drinks. I've got people who do whatever to stay off medications because every medication has a side effect. Every medication will create a nutritional deficiency at one point or another, which is another reason why I love that neural health path map, by the way, because we can pick up on those deficiencies. And if I have patients who absolutely need to be on drugs, we can find out what they're deficient in and support them so that they can be healthy while they're taking their medication. Yeah. Which I know that sounds oblique, but, you know, when people really do need drugs, they need drugs. You know, yeah. let's face it. There's a there's a real place for drugs, and uh, it's helping a you know you know millions of people in America. But they can also partake in supporting their systems and being healthy at the same time. Yeah, and I'm not against medication. I just think it's you know try everything else first and then do that. So you know, not the yeah. first line, yeah. which most doctors will be doing if you go to your physician. Right. Uh, America, I believe we we excel in emergency care. Um, I don't believe that we excel in true health care. I think that we are basically disease care in America. Um, when you get disease, you take a pill. When you get disease, you get a surgery. And there is not a whole lot of official preventative care going on. Um, 
we are, at last check, number 37 in the world in our health care system. Um, yeah, I know. We're in line with Croatia. <laughs> we're on the same level as Croatia. Yeah, and they just went through a horrible, you know, 10 years. So I, I thought I read that, too, and I was like, how could that be possible? Um, there's just uh, a lot of bad health care in America, and I don't know, you know, how to put it any more bluntly. And I know we have a lot of amazing uh, amazing doctors in private practice. You know, the doctors go where they're going to get paid, and they get paid very well in the U.S. So we have a lot of amazing physicians, but just yes, as a do. whole, uh, as a whole, our health care is pretty sorry. Yeah, I, I think we're headed for some big changes. Um, I don't know how Obamacare is going to take us. I, there, there are a lot of other things we can talk about. I, I don't really know. Um, the future of that, but I can tell you that um, you're you're on the right track with what you're doing with your clients, and and here we are, the year 2013, and we still need to have a good night's sleep. There are certain basic things to our body that you cannot replace. <laughs> you need good clean water. You need good clean food. You need a good night's sleep to recharge. People don't realize it, but we repair our tissues and we recharge at night. It's like plugging us into a battery charger at night. If you don't sleep, you know, your health care is going to suffer. So uh, those are the facts, folks. Uh, all of those three are still very important, and the more that you can do on your own on an ongoing basis, the healthier you will be. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kelberman, for being on the show. That was so informative and enlightening. And for you listeners out there, uh, just definitely check out his website. It's drdrkelberman.com. And if you're interested, if you have any, any kind of pain, or you're diabetic, you have some neuropathy going on, sports injury, he's doing it all over there. So you can go check out um, the Westside Wellness Center run by Dr. Kelberman. And thank you so much for being on the show, doctor. Appreciate the opportunity. You have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. Well, folks, thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast. That's all for today. Uh, next week, we have a very important show. I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Nassim John, owner of Independent Cancer Treatment Centers located all over the world. You can preview his site at canceroptions.us. Dr. John utilizes all kinds of cutting-edge alternative cancer treatments to heal his patients of cancer without using devastating chemo and radiation. And we're also going to be talking about why your doctor is only legally allowed to offer you chemo and radiation as treatments for your cancer and the serious weaknesses with these treatment options. We will also touch on why Dr. John cannot operate cutting-edge clinics that treat cancer of this kind within the U.S. and must open clinics in Mexico and other countries that allow doctors to practice medicine freely. So stay tuned.